When the days were completed for their purification according to the law of Moses, the parents of Jesus took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, in accordance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace according to your word, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory for your people, Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself, a sword, will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband and after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to who all were awaiting the redemption of of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, And the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, once more, Merry Christmas. Or in our church, Christmas is not just a day. It is indeed a season. We'll be celebrating for more weeks as we go forward. But today, we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Family. And every year, I'm kind of struck by the timing of this feast. It always comes on the first Sunday following Christmas, at a time when many people have started to maybe overdose on family a little bit. For after the parties, the presents, the obligations, and the expectations of Christmas, some of us have had about as much family as we can take at this point. (laughs) Many parents are ready for the kids to go back to school. It does seem that a little togetherness can go a very long way, and that's true for most every generation. 
One of my favorite uncles would always say, one of the greatest things in the world is when the family came together. And the greatest thing in the world is when they all went home. <laughs> and I think we can all appreciate that. As we look to get back to whatever normal is in our lives. But then we have this feast, and we're challenged to look at what it really means to be a family. And our eyes turn toward this Christmas nativity scene that we have near us here. This time of year, we tend to sentimentalize the Holy Family. They become beautiful and serene figures of porcelain and plaster. We like to think that Mary and Joseph were always as calm and peaceful and controlled as they appear in our nativity scene. But the reality is, they too, like us, were flesh and blood. And they were not that different from us. They were indeed holy, but they were also very human. The story of the Holy Family is the story of a life not always turning out the way you expected. It's the story of a teenage mother conceiving a child before she was married. It's the story of a confused and anxious father confronting scandal, even planning on divorce. It's the story of a family forced to become refugees, living as immigrants in a land that once held their ancestors as slaves. And as we heard in today's gospel, we know Mary and Joseph were proud parents as they went to the temple, but they were also still amazed at what was said about him. But there is even more. You remember that time when the young 12-year-old Jesus was missing and his parents became so worried and fearful that they panicked, searching everywhere for him. Every one of us that has children knows that feeling. And then some just 20 years after that, his mother stood there and watched with helplessness and unimaginable sorrow as her only son was tortured and crucified. Yes, our family, the Holy Family, was very holy, but also very human. And today, we need to remember that, especially now. The church calendar celebrates the Christmas season of one of great light but it's also a season of shadows. The very day after Christmas, we celebrated the feast of the first martyr, Deacon St. Stephen. Then a couple of days later, we marked the feast of the Holy Innocents, that terrible time where we recall the hundreds of children who were slaughtered by King Herod. Yes, the joy of Christ's birth is suddenly tempered by tragic reminders of what the incarnation has cost so many throughout the years. And even the Holy Family shared in much of that pain and misery. Just after Christmas, several prisoners here posted some beautiful pictures of our Christmas Masses on Facebook. And they were very beautiful images with the lights and our manger scene. But I was struck by something that hadn't occurred to me before. In the pictures, I noticed how the light shines so brightly on a nativity scene with the Holy Family the little baby newborn Jesus. But then if you just look up, I noticed then that a light was shining just as brightly on this crucifix behind me. In the manger, Mother Mary looks down with great joy as her son begins his new life. Then at the foot of the cross, she looks up at his life, ending. It is just a few steps from the wood of the manger to the foot of the cross. But in so many ways, 
These two events are inseparable. One led inevitably to the other. Joy and sorrow, even in our lives today, are most often side by side, linked by sacrifice, by faith, and by love. It's the story of our salvation. It's the story of our holy family we celebrate today. But it's also the story of our own families. These two images in our church, the nativity and the crucifix, both serve as a powerful lesson for us this feast day. We must realize that when we speak of the Holy Family, we speak of a family that struggled and suffered, just like our own families. But the Holy Family had profound hope. They trusted completely in their God. And they call all of us to have that kind of trust. And they're with us in our own time. They stand beside all who worry, who struggle, who search, who pray. The Holy Family stands beside parents who are anxious about their children, worrying about their welfare. They walk with immigrants and refugees separated from those they love. They comfort teenage mothers and single parents. They console the prisoner, the outcast, the bullied, the scorned, and the parents that love them. And they offer solace and compassion to every mother or father grieving over the loss of a child, and all of us who grieve over the loss of any loved one. This Christmas, they weep with the parents and families of those lost or injured because of violence and war in our world. The Holy Family shares our burdens, but they can also lift us up by their example. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were never alone, but they endured it all through the grace of God. They prayed, they hoped, they trusted in God's will. We might ask ourselves today where we can find that kind of peace and purpose in our own families, in our own lives. What might we change? One answer today is in Paul's beautiful letter to the Colossians we heard. The passage we hear today is most often read at weddings, and it speaks beautifully about love. But Paul wasn't writing about romantic love. This letter is how to form a healthy and holy Christian community, a Christian family. And from his words, we can draw lessons on how to form a healthy and holy Christian family. He tells us to put on compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, patience, forgiveness, and of course, love. And it really is that simple. And it's so often as I say, that difficult. I'm sure the Holy Family had moments when living those same virtues seemed hard and almost even impossible. But they did things most of us don't do so well. They listened to angels. They dreamed. They gave themselves fully, completely to God. They made their very lives a prayer. And when we find ourselves overwhelmed by the difficulties of life, we need to look towards the Holy Family right here. It's right here with us in our manger. For here is our model of living, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. But we need to see them in the fullness of our human existence while always remembering the nearness of that cross. That was their life. And as followers of Christ, 
it's ours too. Yet through all their hardships and the time of anxiety and difficulty, persecution and tragedy, a time very much like our own, they showed us how to be a people of faith, people of forgiveness, always people of love. In other words, they showed us how to persevere and how to be holy, even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances we can imagine. So I pray today, as we all look at the manger and to the cross, and then look deep inside our hearts, as we ask the Heavenly Father to grant us the same grace he did to Mary and Joseph, to trust in him, to trust in his plan for our lives, and for the wisdom and strength to always be a people of faith, forgiveness, and love. May we all find a way to imitate the most holy family that we celebrate today. And we ask Jesus and Mary and Joseph to pray for us and to pray for our families.